listening to Unshaken, a podcast of the Women of the Word Ministry of Christ the Word Church. Now, before we jump into our podcast today, I just want to remind you that you can follow and like our Facebook page. It's called Unshaken Podcast. That's a great place for you to share your thoughts, your ideas, your questions, and honestly, just dialogue about what you've heard on the Unshaken Podcast. You can also reach out to me personally if you don't have Facebook or you want to tell me a private message through our email. So the email address for Unshaken is unshakenpsalm 622 at gmail.com. If you remember, Psalm 62.2 is where we got the name Unshaken from. You can find all that information in our show notes today as a reminder of how to contact us. And I would really love to hear from you. Let me know what you love about our podcast and what you would like to hear more about. All right, it's fall, so that means baking. Yay, I love baking. Well, I also love eating the food that's baked. Have you ever made cutout cookies? Maybe you, like me, have sat and watched a video pop up on YouTube or one of my social media platforms and it shows someone with amazing skill at decorating a cookie. My cookies always end up looking, I don't know, like they have cancer or maybe they were done by a four-year-old. That is not the thing I'm good at. I do have a friend though, and I'm so thankful for her because she decorates cookies and they look beautiful. She made cookies last winter for my son's last basketball game and they were perfect. They were cute little round sugar cookies and they were decorated with just the right color orange to look like a basketball. And the lines on the basketball looked like a real basketball. It was amazing to me. I could never do that. And, and they all looked the same. They were exact replicas of each other, which is perfect when you're handing them out to a bunch of nine-year-olds. Well, this leads me to our podcast today. The title is called, Not Your Cookie Cutter Life. Did you ever have a plan? Or should I say a recipe for your life? Well, today we're gonna listen as April Klein shares about her personal journey in learning to be content with the life God had given her. And you will remember her as she was my guest on last week's podcast as we talked about reading our directions, reading the Bible. The talk we're going to listen to today she gave at the 2019 Regarding Him Women's Conference. You can check out Regarding Him at regardinghim.com and you can find all the information on the upcoming conference that's going to happen in March of 2021. So be sure to check that out. All right, let's head in to listen to what April has to share. Uh, my name is April. We are going to be talking about not a cookie cutter life, and um, in any moment those will come out. I guess I didn't time that very well, but um, oh, there's my timer. Okay. Oh, look, fresh baked cookies, <laughs> just like that. Look how perfect and yummy they look. Since we are talking about uh, <clears throat> reality today and not unreality, <laughs> um, first of all, I'm not insane. Sometimes I am. Maybe not about this. <laughs> but we're talking about reality. And a lot of times what I want you to see me as is maybe not particularly in my polka dot apron, but I do want you to see me as the perfect hostess. And I want you to see all of the good things about me and none of the actual flaws <laughs> or any of the bad things that have happened. So since we're talking about reality today, um, and that's what our conference is about, that's what we're going to focus on, is our reality. 
The first thing I want to do is define what a cookie cutter life is. Um, so, good, it works. Um, so what I think a cookie cutter life is, is what you think is normal, or what you expected from your life. I have normal in quotes, because everyone's version of normal can be different. So what I think is my cookie cutter life may not be what you think at all. And so I encourage you to apply all of these principles to your situation. Um, so my cookie cutter life is actually represented in cookies today. <laughs> so my cookie cutter life was to get married and have kids and my set of twins down here <laughs> and my dog and we were going to have a, a nice little house and uh, come to church and um, all the things that I thought were normal, like the normal progression that everyone follows. And since we're dealing with reality today and not um, what cookie cutter, yeah, <laughs> what that is, um, I'm going to talk really about where I am actually in reality. So I did get married after college and um, we anticipated having kids and we waited and then we waited some more and then we waited some more and it was about six and a half years after I was married that I finally did get pregnant and um, about nine weeks into that pregnancy I lost the baby. So in one sense um, I was thankful for the waiting period because it made me appreciate being pregnant um, but in the other sense like this is where the start of my crumbling of what my expectation for my life started happening. So, you know, I, I had a time schedule. I had a recipe or a formula that I thought I would follow. And, you know, I had time constraints. And, you know, according to me, I was flexible, but that flexibility wasn't real. Um, I definitely wanted, like, control of everything. So um, as I fast forward in my life a couple of years, um, I found out that my husband was having an affair, and um, that's when reality really hit, because all of the pieces of this existence, this cookie-cutter existence that I had, were coming unraveled, and I'm seeing all, all of these dreams were gone. My husband was gone. I do actually have a dog, so. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> um, so all of this, this doesn't look anything like it used to in my mind. So that's my reality. My marriage ended in divorce. And not my idea of what I would expect it out of my life, but that was my reality. So after my divorce, I spent a time kind of living on autopilot, where you kind of go through motions, you live day to day, you survive, but you're not really thriving. And I call this period living in parentheses. This is my trademark phrase. <laughs> um, what does that mean? My weird way of thinking about things. Um, that was, I'm living and waiting till God fixes my situation then he'll close those parentheses, and then I can go on with what is my actual life. Because this, this period, couldn't be my actual life. So I spent a long time living in this period of just waiting for God to fix something and praying for him to fix it. And at one point, God just kind of taps me on the shoulder and says, you're not really living. 
like you think you are. You're going day by day, but it felt like my whole life was passing me by because I was so focused on this one thing. And man, he pegged me because I needed to start actually living my life again. And it's hard for God to use us when we're living in these parentheses because we're just focused on us and where we're at and where what God can do for us to change our situation. We're more focused on the situation and not on him. So we've talked about me now. I say, what about you? What about you? Something brought you to this room today. Maybe you're lost and you couldn't find the other rooms and so you ended up here. That's okay. We'll still accept you. Maybe like me, you're divorced or from a broken family. Maybe you're a single mom and it's really hard not to have somebody else on board with you to help parent children. Maybe your husband just doesn't come to church with you and your view of reality was that you'd all arrive in the family van and sit together and you'd have matching outfits on Easter. <laughs> Maybe you're a longtime single and you desperately want marriage, but God has not given it to you yet. Maybe you're married and you haven't had kids yet and there's a long waiting period for you there. Maybe you're a working mom and you desperately would rather stay home with your kids. Maybe it doesn't have to be a tragedy. Like my situation kind of changed my life abruptly. But maybe you're just living in a time when things are just uncertain. When you talk to people like graduating from college, I'm always super excited for them, but there's always like a big question mark. Okay, I had my whole life planned up until this point in time. Now what? Now what does the rest of my life look like? Sometimes it's just so uncertain. And here's what I think will encompass everyone. So even if you were lost and you accidentally came in here, I think, I think we got you. Maybe you just don't fit in. I have said this phrase like one million times <laughs> because it's so easy for us to assume things like that we don't fit in or to kind of categorize ourselves outside of everyone else. So let's talk about fitting in for a bit. Um, I'm kind of the first person, if I walk into a room, I'll, maybe not this room because I don't know everybody, but I'll, look, okay, am I the only one who's not married or doesn't have kids? Okay, well, that means that, well, I don't fit in. But I want to challenge our thinking on this, because what did I just do? Did you all move away from me? No. Nope. I moved myself into the corner, and I said, well, I don't fit in. So my challenge on our thinking today is, what if we work to find what we have in common instead of what we have different? I bet if we tried, you could find something in common with everyone in this room. It might take some work. It might take some work on my part. It might take me coming out of my bubble to have a conversation with people. Hmm. <laughs> um, it might take me um, actually purposing to find something in common with people. but. I bet if you challenge your thinking on this, instead of being in the corner, you can find something in common that will actually bond you. And you never know what you can get from relationships. It doesn't have to be that you hang out with all the people who are always in the same like demographic as you are. There's value to reaching beyond your demographic. So I have a graphic for this. Oh, I always forget this slide. Um, hold on, hold on. <laughs> so, 
caught up in who you're not that you forget to be who you are. So me, I label myself right away, but then I'm not living in who I am and who God has created me to be. I'm here on earth, right? Right? <laughs> Just checking. Um, so God has me here for a purpose. So if I'm just focused on who I'm not, then I'm not actually doing anything. Again, living in the parentheses, like we talked about earlier. So when you withdraw or isolate yourself from your perspective, it does look like you don't fit in. So I'm asking you to change your perspective. Here's my graphic. <laughs> don't be the sad guy in the corner. <laughs> we make assumptions about people and what they think about us a lot. Like, a lot. <laughs> I am number one guilty. Like, at this point, I should sit down and I should talk to myself about this because I'm so guilty of this. It's so easy to make assumptions about other people. You know, if they are married and have kids and that's what I desire, then I automatically assume, oh, well, they're not going to probably want to talk to me. I don't, what do I have to offer? Or, you know, whatever excuse I have there. So, when you withdraw or isolate yourself, that's what it's like. You are withdrawing. So try to find something in common with other people. Now, if I came up to you and I was like, I'm so glad you sat here. Okay. Hi. Hi. My name's April. Hi, I'm Aaliyah. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. You know, um, you're not really good at much. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I don't think you're going to succeed in life. And I've got a big hour coming up. I know. <laughs> Do this without talking to you. <laughs> so, okay, if I say these negative things to you, do you want to be my friend now? Yeah, good answer. No, of course not. And no one should want to be my friend at that point because friends should not talk to each other. Like so, my question is would you be your own friend? So, you may not talk to your friends like that, but do you talk to yourself like that? I do. I tell myself all the times the things that I'm critical of in me or the things that I can't do or it's again with that label. If I spend the time thinking of all the things I'm not, then I miss out on all the things I actually can be in Christ. So what we're going to talk about today is that you can serve God and he can give you joy even if your circumstances are not changed. So we're going to look at three biblical examples of this and then one other kind of real-world example of this. So a little storytelling. <laughs> so the first one we're going to look at is Hagar. Now Hagar in the Bible, she was a servant. She was a servant to Sarai and Abram. And um, Sarai and Abram were promised a son. And they were in their waiting period and they were not seeing the fulfillment of God's promise yet. So... Sarai tells Abram that he should have a child with Hagar. So here's this woman. When you read the Bible, I encourage you to put yourself in people's places. She is a servant. She already can't control any portion of her life, which doesn't that a lot of times make us, like that's how we feel like we don't fit in or we feel like we're out of um, sync because we can't control everything about our lives. We can't control and uh, make our lives what we expected. So here she is, and now she's pregnant, and scripture says that Sarai became despised in her eyes, in Hagar's eyes, and it's kind of understandable that she would not appreciate her, given the fact that all of these life circumstances were now on her and completely out of her control. 
So she runs away, and she meets the angel of the Lord, and the angel tells her she's going to have a son, he is going to be a great nation, and every nation will be against him. Again, not her fault. <laughs> and he tells her to go back home and to submit to Sarai. So, wow. This, and this is what she says from Scripture. She's, um, her story is in Genesis 16 and also Genesis 21 is kind of the finishing of her story. <clears throat> then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees. For she said, have I also here seen him who sees me? You are the God who sees. A lot of times if we don't feel like we fit in, we feel invisible. Like nobody notices us. Would anyone ever care if I showed up to church or not showed up to church? Um, my encouragement to you and the lesson here is that God sees you. He knows where you're at. He knows what he's asked you to live. He knows where you're at. He sees you. My next example is the servant girl to Naaman's wife. Um, and this, I'm going to actually read this right from scripture. Uh, 2 Kings 5 is where her story is found. She doesn't even have a name mentioned in the Bible. Now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but a leper. And the Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife. Then she said to her mistress, If only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. So, Syria is an enemy of Israel. And they carried away this girl. And she became a servant. So now she's been plucked out from her family, forced to serve these people. And this man had leprosy. It was something he was going to die from. She could have just let the course of time just take him. I mean, they were her enemy. But instead, she tells him that there's a prophet who can heal him. This story amazes me every time I read it. Because instead of becoming bitter and resentful at her circumstances, she had no control over anything that happened or her future. Instead of being angry and resentful, she just lived where God put her. And I don't know if you noticed, but you notice I messed up. Um, <laughs> the phrase, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. So the Lord had given victory here to this man. Wow. So God put this girl in this situation that was hard, and she didn't have to open her mouth. I'm thinking if it were me, I might not have. I mean, because, I mean, you could have stayed silent. Like, she didn't have to say anything to him. But instead, she lived where she was in her reality. And the lesson that I see in this is that God can use you where he has you. A lot of the times, I focus on, if God would only fix fill in the blank, then I could do fill in the blank. <laughs> so I'm always putting that in some sort of undetermined thing, you know, well, I can't serve God now. Like, it just has to be in the future because he needs to fix this part of my life. God can use you where he has you because he sees you. He sees where you are. God sees you 
and he can use you where he has you. My third example um, is a widow woman. And Elijah was living in a time of famine, and he was um, sitting by a brook, and ravens were miraculously bringing him food. God was supplying his needs that way. I don't know about you, but sometimes I would like ravens to bring me food too. <laughs> like, I just think this concept is like better than Uber Eats or whatever delivery service. Um, <laughs> here, God miraculously was already providing for him, but God had a plan. And he, it was a time of famine, and he dried up the brook, and he told Elijah to move on, to go to this widow woman, and she would take care of him. So he goes, and he goes to her, and he says, feed me. And she says, oh, I have enough flour and enough oil for two cakes, and I'm going to make one for me, one for my son, and we're going to eat it, and we're going to die. So he's coming to her, asking her for something she doesn't have. She doesn't have the provisions to feed him. But this is what he says to her. And this is in 1 Kings 17. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry, until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and he and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. I love this story because she had such a meager thing. I spend so much time looking and what my eyes see, I take as reality. But that's not always reality with God. He can transform things that you can't even see. So here was this poor woman. And I, you know, I kind of talked to God about this. It's like, God, she's already a widow. I mean, you, you put that on her and then you're putting so much more on her. Like, I don't know, does that seem fair? It doesn't matter what I think it's fair or not. But God had asked her, asked this of her, and asked her, and he provided for two whole households in this one kind of little act. He provided for Elijah, and he provided for this widow. Because as you remember at the beginning of the story, she was out of provisions too. She needed help. She needed someone to intervene. And that's when God stepped up and provided and grew both of their faith in this situation and provided for them many days because the bin of flour was not used up. This was a miracle. So did you notice, though, what the first act was? He said, go, do what you said, but make me a cake first. Mm -hmm. That probably took a lot, not probably, it took a lot of faith for her to do that. Because she's looking, and it's like, the math doesn't add up here, Lord. So what am I supposed to do about this? Somebody's not eating. But since she obeyed the prophet and took that step of faith, he exponentially provided for them. Her lesson is, God wants to ease you out of your comfort zone. 
I'm uncomfortable talking about comfort zones because I have a big one. <laughs> like, I like to stay in my comfort zone. This, not my comfort zone. <laughs> but God wants to ease you out. He wants to push you beyond what you can think because me, I want to control everything and I want to evaluate and I want to make a list and I want to analyze that list and then reanalyze that list. Then maybe take a couple things out and then reanalyze them. <laughs> I know, I just exhausted everyone in this room. So when I say he wants to ease you out of your comfort zone, that's a nice word. I, sometimes it feels more like he wants to kick you in the seat of the pants outside of your comfort zone. And that's more sometimes what it feels like. Because he asks of you things that you can't do on your own strength. And that's where this widow woman was too, though. She didn't have the provision to do what he asked of her. But she obeyed, and he provided. Okay, review time. God sees you. He wants to use you where he has you. And he wants to ease you out of your comfort zone. So my last example we're going to look at is um, from a lady. She's a songwriter and a singer. Her name is Laura Story. I don't know if anyone's read anything about her story. Um, but there is a book in our bookstore that I recommended because it's amazing. Um, it's called When God Doesn't Fix It. So the moments I was living in the parentheses, like I talked about, and I just wanted God to fix my situation because that was the only way I could like actually serve him and he could use me. Um, this story speaks greatly to that. Um, she, I'll tell you a little bit, it's a little portion of her book, like she has amazing things to say. But um, her husband was diagnosed with a brain tumor not too long after they were married. And she thought that the hardest part of that circumstance was going to be waiting through the surgery for him to have the tumor removed. And there were some tough circumstances around that. And um, they were both in, um, in college, like um, trying to get into the ministry and both kind of gearing up to what their lives even looked like. And then this tragedy hit. And um, he came through the surgery, but he had lost a lot of his short-term memory and also um, had some other physical difficulties because of the tumor and the surgery. So here, their life looked completely different than what they thought it was going to be. And um, I just, there were so many challenges that she's gone through. I encourage you to read the book um, because it just shows the strength that God can give. And um, I want to read an excerpt from her, kind of the end of her book. And um, so as you've read my story and compared yours to mine, maybe your story is harder or maybe it's easier. But whatever it is, I encourage you to cling to scripture because that and laughter is what will get you through. Despite our brokenness, we wouldn't want it any other way. For it is through our brokenness that God is the hero of our story. We're all just a phone call away. And when we get that unexpected phone call, we think life as we know it is over. But life as we've yet to know it and how God might use it has just begun. Share your story, give God the glory, and live a better broken. So she talks a lot about like your life changing in one phone call. It doesn't have to be a phone call, but man, 
some of the burdens that I can only imagine people carrying, I don't even know all of what you come to this room with, but those are the things that we can't take any glory in, but God can. The lesson from her is that God gets the glory in your brokenness. I get no glory from it, but God can. God can transform, he can work, he can get his glory from your life. And um, she talks a lot about sharing your story. And this encouraged me because, like, I just wanted to hide. When you're in a church and you're divorced, like, that's like, uh, I, don't, I don't want people to know that about me. I wish I was different. I wish I could, like, rub that part of my life away. Um, but she encouraged that that's, that's God's working. That's God's working. So if you don't share that part, how do you share what God's been doing in your life? It's hard to separate them because that's where he was working. Review time. God sees you. He wants to use you where he has you. And he wants to ease you out of your comfort zones. And he gets the glory in your brokenness. I have a couple of thoughts as we close. Don't get too excited. I have a lot of thoughts before we close. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so these circumstances, whatever they are, whatever your new normal is, they are opportunities to cling to Jesus every day. If I had no, if nothing bad ever happened to me, I don't know how often I would run to God. And that says probably a lot about my character, but these are opportunities. So when I think about the days that are hard or the days that are impossible, these are opportunities to cling to Jesus. Run to him. Give, let him give you strength. Let him be your guide. Let him be the one you lean on. <clears throat> God has a plan, and he is good, so where he has placed you is good. Ugh. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's like, but I don't feel like it's good. <laughs> and that's how, where I dwell too. Like, God, you said this is good, but it doesn't feel good. So this is difficult to hear. It's difficult to say, but it's truth. So where he has placed you is good. I really have a hard time with this because I actually, it's easier for me to see God's judgment in things than for me to see his goodness. And this is something that God is really working on in my life continually. And I've gotten to the point where I kind of have to renew my mind and I employ, um, on the days that I'm lonely or I've had a bad day of just hopelessness, Whatever that looks like, those are the moments that I choose to sacrifice praise to God and say, God, in this moment of loneliness, in this moment of time I'm existing that I don't like, this is your goodness. That's not easy to say, but it has brought me so much closer to God. It's a different level of intimacy with him. Because I'm calling what he has called good in my life, good. And that's not easy, but I encourage you to try it. Look at his plan as good and see him as good, because he is. 
So some people say, God won't give you more than you can handle. Lies. <laughs> Every time I hear that, I'm just like, I cringe inside. It's like, really? Because I can't handle one moment of my life, let alone, let alone the hard things. <laughs> I can't handle doing my hair in the morning. Um, so God does give you more than you can handle. So stop trying to do everything in your own strength and go back to the first thing. Cling to him. Make him your strength. That's what he does. He does put more on us than we can do because he doesn't want us to do it in our own strength. Um, 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except as in co- uh, read except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. It's sometimes hard to look outside of ourselves for strength because, as you probably know about me, know this about me by now, is I like to control everything. So um, it's hard to do that. But um, let him help you bear it. So whenever I come to something like this and I hear a testimony, I'm always like, okay, what's the end of the story? How did God change your circumstances? Because I need to know. Well... He hasn't really changed my circumstances. So I'm still not married. I still don't have my own kids. But what God has given me is not a substitute, but he has given me what his plan is for me right now. If he had wanted me to have kids or be married now, I could be. But what he has given me is a church family, and I hope that everyone in this room has that as well, a good church family. I have an amazing small group who they have lots of kids and I get the opportunity to love on their kids, invest in their kids, and have conversations like have you I love conversations with like three year olds. Like it's my favorite. I love talking to kids. They have such a great perspective on life and I just like eat it up. So um so yes, I may not have physical children, but here are my children. I know they're cute, right? <laughs> um, I've, we've actually got three more on the way, so. <laughs> so this is what my reality looks like, and this is what God has given me. And so this is what I need to embrace, is what he wants my life look, to look like right now. And... Um, so I'm going to start you today on your new recipe, too. All of what I said can kind of be boiled down to a simple concept. And it's one we're probably going to hear a lot about today. Is trusting God. One of my favorite verses is Psalms 28:7. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices, and with my song I will praise him. My heart trusted in him. And I am helped. Trust God. I know that some of you probably bear burdens I can't even imagine. Trust God. I've given you a card as you came in. Hopefully everyone got one. And it has this verse on it. And I want you to take that with you. Now, when I was going through my divorce, I really had to renew my mind a lot. Because I go down to this into this deep vortex of thought if I live left to myself. So... 
Um, I compiled probably 60 or 70 verses on trust. And I, it was just a list, and I carried it with me at all times. And when I would feel like my mind was just out of control with the what-ifs and the what's going to happen and the whatevers, um, I would focus and read this list. And it's amazing how scripture just like washes your mind and renews it. And I would make myself go through the entire list. So what I've given you on the back of this card is a very small excerpt from my list <laughs> on trust. And there are a bunch of verses in Psalms, and um, they're probably one of my they're probably my favorite portion of that that group. Um, for you to start renewing your mind in trust of God. And I promise it will help. So when your cookie cutter life turns out to look like more like cookie crumbles, choose to live in the reality of God's plan for your life and trust him no matter where he has you. I don't know about you, but I needed to hear that today. It is such a fabulous reminder to me that God sees what we're going through, that God wants to use us where he actually has put us. It's not a surprise. God wants to ease us out of our comfort zone, and God gets the glory in our brokenness. I encourage you today to run to Jesus, to lean on Jesus, to lean into Jesus, to cling to Jesus. And let's remember Romans 8:28, one of my favorite verses. It says, For all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. I hope you were encouraged and challenged. Let me pray for you. Dear Jesus, we thank you for each of the ladies listening. Help us to trust you. Help us to seek you. Help us not to become focused on our things in front of us, but instead to lift our eyes and seek you first and look for how you are working in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Remember that when everything around you is shaken, you can stand unshaken because of our rock and our fortress, because of God. Until next time.